0: Is actually a pocket quarterback. Who knew? Oh, my goodness. Castles McCaffrey must 30, 35 40. Quick race down the right side. Here he goes at the 50. 20 to the Miami 30. 20 at the 10. A swipe of the ankles. They can't get him. Touchdown Christian McCaffrey. They can't get him.
1: They can't get him. You can't catch Eugene Robinson anymore. He's no longer going to be calling the games of the team. Catch the C3 Panthers podcast every Tuesday night, live, 9 p.m., where we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. I'm here tonight with Cody Lasney. How are you doing, my friend?
2: I'm doing wonderful, man. It's a Tuesday night, and there's nothing I love more than talking about Panthers football with my boy Tony Dunn on a Tuesday night. Tonight, Josh from Mass has jumped up from the chat room. Onto the show with us tonight to kick it and talk all things panthers football man i'm stoked let's do it what's up josh
3: Ah, uh, you know another tuesday night and uh you know trade some fools to buffalo in the chat <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, all right, so my name's Tony Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at mm. cat underscore chronicles. Uh go check out the C three Panthers podcast on wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button if you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope. You can be a part of the conversation by calling to the Cat Calls line. The number's 252-228-5098. Thanks so much to the people supporting us in the YouTube chat right now. Susan Dean's from Cabo. How about that? Is your we're so cool that we even go, we even travel. It's a destination podcast at this moment. <laughs> uh, 10 Tizzy in the house, Underground West. Thanks uh, for your support. Again, smash that thumbs up button. Be a part of the show. Using the Cat Calls line or you can even jump in uh, the podcast itself using the Shindig app or the link that's in the show notes. That's all we got there. All right. Tonight's show, guys, is uh, the NFL abstains for from no, from no one. We'll be talking, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, continued roster manipulation by Marty Harney. We're going to be previewing Jonah Williams in a segment that we've been doing, that Cody's been doing for a while now, and that is better get to know a potential Panthers draft pick. It's a mouthful, but Jonah Williams will punch you in the mouth and we'll preview uh, him a little bit down the road. And also some uh, political talk when it comes to Uh, the headquarters and and some different things like that. But let's go ahead and get started, guys. Uh, First topic, the Panthers claimed a guy, Dylan Gordon, off of waivers. He spent uh, last year on injured reserve, I believe, or was at at some point found himself there. Uh, Undrafted kid from LSU, and I think he was with the Eagles. Offensive tackle, offensive lineman, another body in the – Uh, the stables there. Cody, pat in the roster. These are some of the small moves uh, that you can expect as we are getting prepared uh, for the draft.
2: Yeah, I love it, man. And this is small moves that, that matter in the, you know, in the throes of of summer during training camp, you know, when you need bodies to be able to come in and and fill spaces, you know. Um, Nobody was expecting Daryl Williams to go down as early as he did last year in training camp and then Ross Cockrell and then DeNora Searcy. You know, you have to have guys that are willing to step up at a moment's notice. And especially when you know that you don't necessarily have a lot of depth at one position or another, signings like these while they might not generate a lot of buzz and notoriety amongst panther fans ultimately they matter you know um maybe he'll never play a snap for the panthers or maybe he becomes a contributor maybe we see some stuff in preseason um overall i'm happy that we're still trying to fill positions of need out there before the draft happens
1: Josh, there's going to be a lot of new faces on this team. I know that this is just an example of a guy that might just be on the team for two weeks and then be off uh, the team with the next guy who hits waivers or wherever, uh, next guy who's cut in the salary cap and you're trying to get somebody. But when you go down to the even the bottoms of this roster, there's going to be a lot of new faces in important positions, but we got to get to know a lot of backups as well. Talk about a little bit of that transition uh, of this team. And uh, how, do you, how do you even assess something where you don't even know what you got?
3: Well, um, you know, in this case, it's real hard because um, I didn't look into this kid too much. But it seems like he hadn't played any ball in the league. Um, there's, there's not a whole lot to be known about him. So, you know, at this point, you like you guys said, you assume it's mostly a depth piece. Uh, a, a guy who, if he's there at the beginning of the season, if he's even still on the practice squad at that point, you know, maybe he could be some some depth in, in terms of somebody gets hurt, somebody goes down. Because it's, as we know, especially being Panther fans, uh, the O line you start the season with is not always the O line you're even with four weeks in. So, um, you know, we True don't that. have that guy, but. Just glad to see Herney still doing some work, still trying to, to get us something, somewhere, at least. You know, because if that's been the impression, I, the impression I've gotten big time over the last few years is that depth has been something we've really struggled with. Um, so to, to see a little more come in is not a bad thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, what are we going to yeah. do without a meanie Silatulu, Cody? I mean, I don't know how we're going to continue and carry on forward. <laughs> I mean,
2: it's- it's gonna be rough, brother. I mean, I mean, he just did so much for this football team. You know, a real pillar of strength in the locker room. You know, great guy. I heard <laughs> There's it. a
1: you know, but you're losing. You know, you lose both Khalils. One is a uh, is addition by subtraction, and Matt Khalil who yeah. has been sent his walking papers. Ryan Khalil, though, you know, big hole. You got to bring in. We bring in Paradise, We bring in. Uh, that's a new face and an anchor and a veteran there. Uh, Daryl Williams, kind of a newish face, just because no, we've never seen him that much of him. Uh, there's gonna be some. Oh, Thomas Davis is gone. Devin Funches is gone. There is not only is there this kind of natural um, change that goes on where these guys come and go, and we don't get to know their names. They might not ever uh, even see the practice field hardly. But there are also a lot of key positions that have big turnover here. The Panthers are trying to get ready for the draft. Marty Herney says they're only like 40 or 50% of the way. Talk a little bit about how the team is going through that identity shift, Cody.
2: Well, yeah, you know, I feel that this is a – it's a very interesting time to be a Carolina Panthers fan because there's so many unknowns, you know. When you factor in Cam Newton's shoulder – and everything that's been going on uh, surrounding him, and then now this very real specter that I feel has been kind of hanging over the entire team has been this move to a uh, to a three four defense, and how a lot of our moves have now been well, maybe not all the way, but uh, our you know incorporating our three four defense into what we do moving forward, and how we want to be able to be versatile on the field and do a lot of different things. Um, It really is a shift. There's a lot going on uh, right now with the football team. And, you know, I know I've been tough on on Marty Herney, and I still maintain I want to see him nail the draft before I pat him on the back and shower him in all the the accolades. But um, I I feel as though right now uh, we're, we're doing our best to build a pretty formidable offensive line. And I feel as though even um, in light of some comments going forward that we might even still do that in the draft as well. And I maintain that if you look at Cam Newton in 2015, when he had time to throw the football, he was the best player in the NFL, man. And if we're trying to move back to that type of offensive line, that type of team build, I'm all for it, 100%.
1: We need some of these guys to just be healthy, though. We need Daryl Williams to have a kick yeah. ass. We need him to be better than good, and that requires him to be healthy. And if that's playing left guard and he is a a, a is a better than good guard, uh, then that's that's a success. If that's playing right tackle and he's better than. Expected at right tackle, there. I don't think any way that he tries to play left tackle. I just think that would be a terrible mistake. But maybe I'm wrong on that. But we Ron need Rivera him to be-
2: did mention that, that it's not out of the realm of possibility that Daryl Williams plays left tackle. Yeah, coming from right, this is coming from Ryan Rivera. So you know, take t- that for what it's worth.
1: I guess you could put the tight end beside him and just join him at the hip, Josh. <laughs>
2: yeah. Jeez.
3: Could, could we not? Could
1: we not? Yeah. Man,
3: we? Greg Greg's Greg's got enough on his plate this coming year, man. Oh
1: God, no kidding.
3: We just we just we just want Greg to be healthy and feeling well and that, that little bone in his foot to just be the strongest little bone it can be.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs>
1: There's some fear though that I have in and getting too excited with any of these players who are coming off an of injury. Now, I believe fully that the Paradise thing is a is something that uh that that's a easily or more easily healed um injury than some of the other ones. So I'm not that paranoid about it. But uh there is some concern about any of these guys Olsen and his durability or potential to finish out the season and get over that little bone Daryl Williams with this continued knee problem or this knee issue that uh, that was more serious than they wanted it to be we've seen some of those things look I mean they said Matt Khalil was still uh, getting over his injuries by the way Matt Khalil uh, is now in Houston <laughs>
2: For <laughs> Deshaun Watson, dude! How dare they? How dare they? That is so disrespectful. That's terrible. That I feel
1: terrible. I feel like two weeks ago we I was excited, uh, and I had given props to the Houston Texans general manager for saying Deshaun Watson's our guy. Not that he was he was thinking otherwise, but like. He is the piece we believe that we have to build around going forward. And I tweeted, like, this is such a good attitude. I think I, I pulled one of those snarky, if we imagine if we would have felt this way about Cam, and we would have been like, we want to put these pieces around him. But then it turns out Houston, they were talking the talk, and then they pulled the Panthers' walk out. Poor Deshaun yeah. Watson. I mean, he's going to have to be running for his life. And another guy uh, that has had battles with injuries getting beat up. Yeah. Matt Khalil is terrible, dude. He's terrible. What a con man. Man, just raking in the millions from everybody.
2: And see, I wonder, you know, uh, you, know you hear about like, the Miami Dolphins and how they didn't want Drew Brees because it didn't pass physicals or whatever. Well, Ron Rivera, uh, so for those of you that don't know, they did the NFL um, uh, owners and coaches meeting. So all the coaches are pounding around and talking about stuff, but they're doing interviews. And Ron Rivera said that uh, they weren't confident that Matt Khalil would be ready to go by the time training camp rolled around. So how is it that the Panthers were like, yeah, we're not sure, but the doctors in Houston were like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll take a gamble on this and, and you know, have you protect the, our franchise's blind side. Like, I, I just don't I Do don't you think understand. it's injury?
1: Do you think it's injury, the reason that the Panthers – or do you think that that's just him a, a little way to save face for everybody involved instead of saying we just think you stink?
2: Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit of that. I'm sure there's some, uh, you know, walking on eggshells, you know, uh, being Ryan Khalil's brother, uh, I don't know, man. I'm just listen. I'm a I am a, a fan of the Panthers first and foremost, but I just I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. Um, that's a rough one, especially after he had this ass beat last year.
1: This sounds kind of uh, really bad, and actually, now that I even say it in my own head, it sounds even worse. But I'm I, I you know how people always say that they're not they're rooting for someone to do pretty good to you know I hope he has a good career or I yeah. wish the best that's kind of what we said about Devin Funches. I'm gonna be actually I don't wish him the best Matt Khalil. and this <laughs> is I feel like Aww. is that if he, if he goes and plays good for anybody else I'm I wanna I'm gonna be so pissed. I mean, if he plays average for anybody else, I'm going to be pissed because he was horrid for us. That was – what a just mistake it was Man's with him.
3: Bump. Man's a bum.
2: Man, remember,
1: remember
3: that footage that came out last year? And there, I forget whether it was OTAs or training camp. Was it we trained with, like, the Dolphins or something like that in the off season? I forget which team it was, but there was – was, the, the video was on Twitter of Matt Khalil just getting pushed around left yeah. and right and it's like yo, this this is the guy this is the guy keeping our, our biggest offensive investment safe right. really this this the man alright well I'm sure we could find somebody at the senior center who could at least stay in the same place in the way for a long
1: time <laughs> okay. I mean he was called speed bump by Cameron Jordan
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let me let, let me ask you this. What would piss you off more? If Matt Khalil protected Deshaun Watson at a high level or if Devin Funches just turned it on in Indianapolis and just became a dominant, badass wide receiver that, that we wanted him to be the whole time?
1: Man... Khalil. Yeah, I think the Khalil thing would make me mad. It's like I feel really – is that I, I, I was hard on Devin Funches at times yeah. when I maybe shouldn't have been, and now I'm not – and I'm still – you know, it's not I, – Khalil, I, I never feel bad about talking junk about that guy, which is terrible. <laughs> Actually, I feel bad about not feeling bad. All right, you're listening to the C3 Panthers yep. podcast. Thanks, Susan Deans, from On Vacation, checking us out in Mexico uh, thank you for your support of the show. We appreciate it. Keep pounding. Be safe down there. Uh, From what I hear, rowdy, 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 according to Donald. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so now let's get back on track. Marty Herney, he says, look, there's lots of work to be done. Uh, But one of the things that uh of interest here is that Cody, so the moves he's made – have been particularly strong for us uh, in in the position we were in, of need in a way that we could have been backing into the draft with too many needs and having to feel feel like we had to do something, uh, be forced into a corner. Right now, the Panthers have set themselves to for some flexibility heading into the draft.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know we've. Uh, we've done well for ourselves and apparently we're not done uh Marty herney is saying that we're only about 40 or 50 percent through the free agency process and this is a little bit surprising to me because I don't necessarily know I mean I've heard uh, you know rumors there's a, a defensive tackle from Kansas City that we were looking at bringing in um, but from from the From the mouth of the man, uh, Marty Herney says we're only about 40 or 50% through the free agent process. So I'm curious as to know what that means and what other specific positions he is going to try and uh, bring in before the draft because I really do feel that the objective right now is to be able to fill as many possible needs, through free agency, and then go into the draft, and whatever player you're in love with, whenever they fall to you, take them and not have to reach for a certain position.
1: I know they'd love to have love, you know, but uh, we'll see where they who where they go with that, you know what I mean? Because there is a yeah. person right now with um, Kyle Love who could potentially, I think, have a versatility enough on the defensive line that if you did put him in over center, he's a big enough boy to if we've tried to go more to that 3 4 look going forward. But now, since this is for yeah, we'll be watching. Is I've heard people pointing to Tory Smith's contract. Uh, I think Cersei is another person. I I don't know if we've parted ways with Cersei just yet officially.
2: I don't, I don't believe so.
1: So, there, there are some small things that they might be able to do to move some stuff around. We'll be watching that. But really, the the big storyline, or not story, is this, is that, you know, you have some fl- flexibility. I think Ron Rivera said this, is that it doesn't rule out us going offensive line in the draft, uh, but doesn't force us to at the same time. So let's go ahead and jump into your, the the segment, Better get to better know a potential draft pick, Cody Lashney, Who's up for us to preview this night, this night, this Eve, this O Eve right here? <laughs> as I go down this old English pathway, I've got to stop. We are heading to London next year, but who we got this week is uh, that could strengthen this team going into the 2019 season?
2: So we've been talking about the offensive line and how we're trying to fit players in free agency to be able to fill positions of need, but sometimes the best player available is a person that's going to keep your franchise quarterback healthy for the final two years before he needs a brand-new contract. And we all know Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide, even though my Tigers beat them in the championship, they put out hell of NFL football players. So tonight we are going to be previewing Jonah Williams' left tackle for Alabama. And the man's a beast He's an absolute beast, and I don't want anyone to be under the emphasis that, oh, he has small arms. He has small arms. He's going to be taken advantage of. That could not be further from the truth. Whenever you have your feet underneath you and your elbows tucked in, when your positioning is on par, you you really shouldn't have to worry about length when you know how to uh, disengage the stab from the defensive end. Jonah Williams is never out of position. He sinks his hips well, and he is a people mover. I mean, the man moves people out of the way with effectiveness. He's able to swipe the hands down. A lot of the reason why people are saying move him inside to guard is that right there, his ability to move inside and go to the next level and attack linebackers on the second level uh, to make running lanes for your running back. is second to none. He moves very well. And he's a powerful man. Uh, for two seasons, he started as the left tackle for Alabama, and he was graded as the highest left tackle in college football by pro football focus. The man's a mauler, and he doesn't want you to underestimate him. He wants to play the left tackle on the NFL level, and I feel he has all the potential to do so. He's never um, truly been beaten outright And even when he does, he recovers well, comes back, and gets his feet back under him. Um, He has all the traits that you want in a starting left tackle. And I would love to have Jonah Williams for the versatility of being able to put him at left tackle or at guard, and he's a day-one starter. I love Jonah Williams.
1: He looks mean like he like a mean streak like he got a he blocks with some toughness to him that i like now the arm thing is ridiculous i would say it's ridiculous because we've seen so many of these guys who were top level prospects in the past who had those body types who have just been awful uh think of eric yeah. flowers who is now with who did he land with now um he signed with somebody recently, like the, not the Giants. Somebody terrible he signed with. Is Eric Flowers still? He was playing with the Giants. Then he was in Jacksonville, I believe. But you have guys like that. You have, um, I'm trying to think of Cedric boy. He, he came off an injury, but these guys. Washington
2: are... Redskins. Yeah, that's where Eric Oh, was. yeah.
1: Good luck with that. So you have, you can over and analyze anything. But right now is that this is kind of like a guy. He reminds me a little bit of Scherf is that uh, I know he's a guard or whatever his name, also a Washington Redskin. But I feel like is, like you said, that plug and play. He's going to be in the NFL. What what position he's at may be up for dispute, but he's going to be a successful NFL player. That's how I see it.
2: Yeah, and I I look at it this way. Even if they love Taylor Moulton at left tackle, which, hey, they might. Uh, I truly believe if it's a left guard or a left tackle, Jonah Williams is a day-one starter and is going to be successful for a very long time. I mean, I was in the camp that uh, we should not have let Andrew Norwell go. Uh, I believe in having a dominant offensive line. Uh, but now that he's no longer here, to have him be able to fill in at the left guard position, he's a versatile player, and you can put him anywhere on our offensive line, and we're better for it. So it's one of those picks that it might not be the flashiest pick of a, of a, a defensive end, uh, an edge rusher that everyone wants so bad, but, but this is a pick that makes us a better, more high-powered offense as soon as he steps foot on the field.
1: Any chance one of these guys that we've been talking about um, who would not be sexy at 16 but would be we, – uh, we've talked about Jonah Williams now. We've talked about um, – who else? The center uh, from NC State.
2: Bradbury.
1: Right. We we also yeah, have Bradbury. talked about – the who's the other guy that you've liked that, that's offensive lineman too – That we've also shopped around here at sixteen,
2: and uh, Andre Dillard, the offensive tackle out of Washington State, right? uh, Is another
1: any chance any of those players slip to the second round where you trade right into an early pick?
2: Um, it's so tough to say, man. Right now, this draft, uh, I mean, I've seen I've seen players go anywhere from seven. In my drafts, all the way to the late twenties, so it, it's really hard to know. As far as the second round, there are players I haven't spoken about on the show yet that I like at uh, with the forty seventh pick, but um, I don't know if Dillard or Jonah right. Williams. Well, yeah, I mean, those are long to, shots,
1: yeah, right there. But yeah, there would have to be a always some surprises play. of guys yeah. who fall who are. Um, I'm thinking of like uh, maybe Hernandez last year, Will Hernandez. Didn't the Giants get him kind of late? There was the other guy that that the Patriots got. You just got to wonder if there's a guy sitting there early in the second if you get aggressive there um, if you missed it in the first. All right, Josh, what do you think right now? Jonah Williams continue to build that wall around Cam Newton. Uh, Or do you think that or do you want to see the Panthers do something a little different uh, in that first round?
3: Uh, It's real hard to uh, say because, you know, my my instinct, um, particularly being a defensive guy, is is get a D.E. um, Particularly because, at least from what I've seen, the fall off in first round defensive end talent to the second round is a lot greater than the offensive line talent, at least in my opinion. Uh, you know, that and I think I think a lot of the upper crust O-line guys are going to be gone before we get there anyway. I, I, unfortunately, I really think that's going to be the case. Um, I think there's a good chance that all the standouts for the, for both lines that we could be eyeballing, that there's a chance that all of them could be gone by sixteen. Um, I mean, you look at the needs that teams in front of us have, um, but again, the old homage: you draft the best player on the board. You try your best not to draft for need. Uh, but there's again, always going to be
1: something what, irrational too that happens yeah, in the draft. You Is never that, know
3: what's going to happen draft night. You're gonna have you could have somebody trading up to take freaking uh, oh, what's his face,
1: Trubisky. Ka- oh. <laughs> Uh, I, the, my head just
3: about fell off when that happened. I'm like. Right,
1: right. There's always something. For him,
3: you probably could have waited till the third or fourth round to get him. Like, who's. you? Know, like, the coaches are all sitting in their war rooms going, "Ah, going to get me some Trubisky tonight, bud. No, nobody was doing that. Come on, man.
1: <laughs> they also said, I mean, too, you watch what other teams do, and people get. Like they go, they get like mob fever or something. Like it's like they get influenced by the trends of the draft rather than what they wanted to do. I feel like teams did that with wide receivers last year. There's always something like irrational, then something that people didn't expect, and so you never know what you're gonna get there. And and next week we'll actually if if defensive end like Josh is saying. Is something that the Panthers, I think, which we all know, is a very legitimate uh, potential selection at 16. We're going to find out with Marcel Luis Jacques. Luis Jacques. I'm going to have to practice his name. Marcel Luis Jacques from the Charlotte News and Observer, right, from the Charlotte Observer. And uh, he's beat writer for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, But he's going to help us look at some picks from Clemson. Why is that? Cody because I think he's got a little insight into that
2: yeah he was a former beat writer for the Clemson Tigers so I mean he's someone that knows a lot about uh, Cleland Farrell and Christian er, Williams Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence uh, players that I know and love and I think would upgrade our defensive line tremendously and yes I'm biased but I also know that they're good football players so uh, yeah we're going to pick his brain Uh, He's a great follow on Twitter. And uh, I'm interested to see uh, what he has to say on a number of different issues. So, yeah, that'll be fun.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: All right, you're listening to the C3 Panthers Podcast, uh, where we chop up every Tuesday night live, 9 p.m., the latest Panthers news and opinions. Be sure that you turn uh, your phone to portrait mode, smash that thumbs up button, let let us know that you're watching the show by participating in the chat room, following us on Twitter, at cat underscore chronicles. Send us an email, carolinacatchronicles at gmail.com. Subscribe. Share the show with a friend. Let us know that you are enjoying this talk with us. Uh, and call into the cat calls line, 252-228-5098. All right, uh, moving forward with some business. The Panthers uh, finally started – uh it's it's like this giant discussion of having a bubble. The Panthers now have a bubble to practice in, which also seems like I mean, obviously this is a short-term solution as the Panthers are making broader and grander plans. But the fact is that the bubble seems like something they should have done 15, 20 years ago. Cody, we got they've started construction the Panthers will no longer have to practice in the ballroom.
2: No more ballroom. Uh, yeah, and listen, uh, it, I always imagine that's been kind of like a a stand of embarrassment on the Panthers that, you know, all these other teams get to practice indoors when the weather gets bad. And, yeah, we've made it work forever. But whenever the weather gets truly shitty here in Charlotte – Yeah, we have to go to a ballroom at a hotel. It's just like, that's not what NFL teams do, man. Especially when you're looking at Dallas and the multi-billion dollar facilities they seemingly have. Uh, They just have the world at their fingertips. And it matters, man, when you're able to, um, you know, it's a lot harder to throw the football and catch the football when it's raining and pouring down rain outside outside. Uh, than it is when when you have a dome over your head. So this has been something very important to the Panthers organization for a long time. And it's just funny to me how we had Jerry Richardson for years as an owner and it never dawned on him once that, hey, maybe this is something that we should do to, to benefit our team. I mean, David Tepper hasn't been the owner a full year yet, I don't think. Or maybe it's around that point now. And, and he's already doing this. Um, I love it. It's long overdue. And um, I'm happy it's happened. Wah, wah, wah. Too soft to, to practice in a ballroom.
1: Too soft uh, to practice in a giant bubble uh, to protect you. You know who says wah, wham wah? Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia says people who practice in ballrooms are too soft. Matt Patricia made his team practice outside, and they got a dump. In the damn snow in Minnesota, in Detroit. So, no. So, Matt Patricia, I tell you this, is that Matt Patricia, he's a better man than a ballroom. He wouldn't practice in a ballroom. And now the Panthers don't have to practice in a ballroom either because now they're building the bubble. But the bigger story, though, has to do with the political talk surrounding the future of the Carolina Panthers when it comes to their team facilities, practice, stadium. Potential stadium, new stadium in the in the long-term plans, you know that that is being a chip that's been pushed around in the background that we don't know. Cody, let's go ahead and cue up a little bit of what the discussion right now uh, over uh, some of these larger political questions related to the team. Yeah, you know,
0: I've talked to Cooper. I've been a basketball man with him and I've been with uh masters, so we talk to both states. We're both, you know, a two-state team. What's the realistic
2: timeline for this? Not just legislation, but infrastructure planning, location. It seems just such like a huge project.
0: Look, I mean, <clears throat> you have to. It, the way I view it, I view it as a whole region, okay? And I know that different people view it as this place or that place. To me, it's not. It's the development of a whole region and trying to make something bigger and better through the whole both states so and you know we'll be involved in both states for different ventures you know throughout time you know whether we're someplace in South Carolina it's like Spartanburg or something or Charlotte or someplace else um, you know we do view our fan base as you know the broader region and you know you know I kind of think the the way when you look at the team, people should look at what economic development we can bring into
1: the whole region. Everybody with their hand out, billionaire David Tepper with his hand out to all these politicians saying, give me the best deal. I don't care what state you're in. We're a powerhouse here in the region uh, and I'm worth a bazillion dollars. So uh, you got to listen to me. And then at the same time, the politicians are around him with their hands out at this moment. You know that there is some uh, politicking going on. David Tepper, though, has uh, a position of power, it seems, to where now I feel like North Carolina and South Carolina just have to give, give, give whatever they want because these politicians know that that's money for them as well.
2: Yeah, and uh, from what I'm hearing... Um, it's setting up to be something of a bidding war between who will offer the most handouts uh, for these practice. And I do want to make it a point to, to emphasize this. They're not just talking about practice fields. Uh, they're talking about businesses. They're talking about um, like tourist kind of attractions, uh, strip mall type locations, food courts. They're talking about the whole nine yards something that would bring in a lot of people to wherever this is going to end up being in South Carolina or North Carolina. So from what I'm hearing, uh, McMaster, I think is the Senator or something for uh, South Carolina. He's been meeting with David Tepper a lot. They've already been talking. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen, but the, 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 the gears are in motion. And I, if I'm a betting man right now, I'm saying that somewhere in South Carolina, probably northern South Carolina, they're, they're going to be building up a, a brand new state-of-the-art facility for the Panthers and the surrounding area.
1: Josh, what do you think about the – sometimes you hear people say the NFL owners are some of the most – the richest people in, in, in the United States. They're part of this Uber club that makes a ton of money. The NFL is remarkably profitable. And then they um, are able to then lean on local municipalities, cities for uh, tax rebates, tax write-offs, whatever it is, tax breaks. Some people argue that if it is so uh, so profitable, Why is it that they are also milking these towns for the best deal they can get? What do you think about that conversation?
3: Um, well, there's there's an interesting dynamic to that. Um, because you know, just just in what's being talked about as far as the Panthers, um, it's not just a practice facility. It's you know stores. It's like a little mini. It's a mini mall. Restaurants, probably a hotel or two. Maybe um, a
1: hotel tax.
3: Yeah, so that's that's just it. Is There's going to be all this sales tax generated from this. There's going to be income tax from everybody's paychecks that works there. All these employees, not to mention, it's not going to be a ton of jobs, but it's going to be a decent little number of jobs that are probably going to pay a good bit above minimum wage. Um, so that's, that's why these teams look for these kind of deals, especially with stadiums. Because, um, yeah, the stadium itself might not be a huge source of revenue, but, for example, when... Me and my friend went down to Charlotte for a game last season. We bought gas around in the area. We stayed at a hotel in the area. We went to, oh, geez, probably three or four different restaurants, like at least two a day that we were there. Uh, We went to five or six local breweries down there. Um, we, We got rides from a couple different Uber and Lyft drivers. So, I mean, you know, the team drew in. At, at, you know, just, just in and one other person to the region, probably a good five, 600 bucks. Now how many people are at the game every weekend and how many people are in downtown spending money in places nearby. They're going to the bar before the game. And, you know, if it's an early game, then maybe they're going after the game. They're staying out, you know, and then there's, you know, police details for, you know, getting people across the streets and locking streets off and, and things like that. So it's, you got to look at the broader picture of how it works out. Um, you know, there's give and take. So, I mean, it might be, well, we're looking for a tax break or we're looking for you to pay for a chunk of the stadium, but if you if you isolate all the revenue that team brings every weekend that it's there um, and, and look at really how long it takes the city to get that money back, I think it would be really interesting because it, it's not as long as, I think, would seem
1: to think. I think uh, Tepper is a shrewd is so shrewd too, in a way that is that he's going to be able to articulate and so well the financial growth that is going to occur uh, and so he's going to be able to say this is why I don't think short term and money grab now but lure all of this additional revenue and he'll be able to explain it in a way that makes you know um, everybody believe it More so than I think when Jerry Richardson tried to do these types of things in in a much smaller scale is that it just seems like, oh, you don't want to pay for the upgrades. And it seems is 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 that an inability to connect the message to the people. And I think Tepper has the ability to do that. I think he will be able to outmaneuver these politicians. He seems like uh, they have met their match and I bet by the end he gets everything he wants. All right, uh, speaking of what you want, is you want to know everything about Cam Newton, and it uh, turns out <laughs> we know a lot about Cam Newton, guys. We even know that my man, uh, no nut march. My man is no climaxing, uh, sexual climaxing, I assume, is is he came out and said that <laughs> no self, no... Uh, self-stimulation no going to bluechew.com uh no uh <laughs> I, as, is there some i do believe there's something here look is that we know problems with his old lady i wonder what this is all coming over in the cam newton makeover now you guys know josh cam newton is not gonna be getting his rocks off this month
3: Oh man, I feel like somebody told him about No Not November like three months late, and he's like, "That's a good idea."
1: Like, yeah. And like right. before
3: they before they could finish saying, "No, it's just in November," he's like already like, t- you know, tied his hands behind his back. Like I ain't doing it. <laughs> so I mean, hey, you know, more more power to him. Um, you know, not everybody needs to be Philip Rivers, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, who just you had know, his um, ninth nice child, by the way.
3: Yeah. Good. God. Well, no. It was interesting, um, was it on, um, I can't remember where it was. Somebody was interviewing Mike Tyson recently, and they asked him about that, like the whole no sex, whatever, before a fight. He goes, that's nonsense. He straight up said, that's nonsense.
1: Um, you know, <laughs> that's nonsense. I, mean, I be. I be oh, gosh, there's a lot of bad things non- that are going to come from the Mike Tyson talking about nonsense. sex. That's
3: nonsense. That's <laughs> nonsense. Um, you know, but... I mean, you know, to each their own. If if, if he thinks it's going to make him better, if it's going to allow him to focus more on his shoulder or, or his workouts or being a damn beacon. It will
1: give his shoulder whatever. some relief.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> a lot of it. Relief and no relief uh, at, the, at the same time. Uh,
1: we can't get it, man. But we know you, everything about this man.
2: Yeah, we do. But, you know, he also brought uh, – Josh brought up a good point. I don't know if he's spoken about it yet. Uh, my man's a vegan now, man. No no meat, no fish, no dairy products, no nothing. And I am not an expert on, on diets, but I don't know, man. It just seems like every vegan I meet, they're always like one sneeze away from throwing their back out or, <laughs> or something like that, man. I don't know. They're not the healthiest people to me.
1: We'll see, uh, you know, he's given up, I think a little bit more context to the story too, is that he was explaining that he's sacrificing, he's given kind of like Spirit of Lent. He's giving up something new each month. One was like he gave up meat, like you said, or was vegan. Uh, now it's this, is that he's giving up these things. Hopefully he'll give up uh, injuries um, for this upcoming season. But yeah, I mean, this is just Cam Newton, part of his character, uh, I guess you would say, is actually, I feel like this, is that we're also, this is the Tepper effect, dude. Imagine Cam Newton is, is that all of this is that we, is Cam Newton does seem a little bit more relaxed now that Jerry Richardson is gone, and um, I don't know, is that we just got, we got nothing to talk about. Cam Newton giving up something each month. So we taught team headquarters, we've taught the bubble. Um, we've talked Cam Newton's abstinence.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: But that they can uh, review some penalty calls, a missed penalty calls. One that I saw highlighted was pass interference, uh, likely brought on by uh, that play from the Rams against the Saints where it was clearly pass interference and they just didn't throw the flag now those are, are going to be reviewable by challenge or by official booth review at times uh, how do you see the, uh, the, this fitting into the continued uh, changes to the NFL rules scheme and replay that is, uh, is always a, a nightmare it seems like
2: I mean listen I know this is something that it basically came from the whole sense debacle in New Orleans uh, about the no call and, and, I mean, there's, while I'm not ever sympathetic to the Saints, um, I do ultimately think this is going to be a good thing. Um, having a, a game ruined by um, a stupid call, I mean, everything else is reviewable. It just makes sense to me that um, flags uh, should also be reviewed. I mean, sometimes the referees, they just miss. And there's egregious calls that, that go one way or the other. So, I'm happy about it. I like it. I'm, I, have, I see no problem with it. Um, it's one of those things where now the referees calling dumb flags isn't going to hurt you or help you either way. So the, the game will be called more fair, which, you know, I guess I'm in favor of.
1: Any thoughts on the rule changes, Josh?
3: Um, I mean, I'm in favor of keeping the game fair. Um, I think we all are. We all want this sport, whether we're, you know, like me when I was younger, I played football. um, Or if you're just really a big fan and you just want to see a quality product out there and you want to see the the rules uh, enforced. Because if they're not enforced properly, what the hell are you watching? What the hell are we doing? Um, I I do have concerns about it turning into kind of a fiasco. Um, I mean...
1: They should almost just pass a rule that says this is any time that we feel that there is some egregious and obvious blunder, uh, that we have we have the ability to intervene as the NFL, like to the point of we don't need to define every single play that has. Is that like look? Is that uh every single play could be under the most extreme circumstances reviewed? Yeah but not challenged. Like the NFL could almost take this away from why don't they take some of this away by not forcing the, the coaches to challenge things. But like, why can't the NFL just say you can challenge more things a, but B, in the background. We always are going to have like an official NFL challenge that could be thrown out there on anything to protect the integrity of the game. Maybe that's too broad, but I don't think they would use it that much.
3: No, and and there's times. I mean, think about um, you know all the games that are in a year, and how many times something happens within that last two minutes of a half, and nobody can challenge. And it's it, maybe it's not the most egregious thing out there, but it's like it, it should probably at least be looked at. And the teams allowed to just run up to the line and snap the ball, and oh well, it's too late. It's like well you know that's the rules that's that's the breaks. but maybe that shouldn't be allowed right. to be that way it's like if something fishy's going on and everybody's like starting to, you know the offense is really starting to hustle towards the line it's like all right well maybe somebody's trying to get off, you know get one over somebody's trying to get get away with something um you know uh, but again my, my my only real fear is that it just turns into this whole debacle where it's, it, it causes even more of a controversy. It causes an even bigger, you know, crap mess. Um, I mean, obviously nobody, none of us are Saints fans here, but you don't want to see a team get done like that. You, you really don't because it could be us. Um, and I think there's times where in the past, not not as bad as that, but we have been on the bad end of some luck, uh, some some questionable calls or non-calls. So...
1: You know, you don't want anybody to get screwed. Um, but then again, it was the Saints, so I don't care anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. True you're listening that. to the True C3 that. Panthers podcast brought to you by Uh We got one last segment to get into, and that is our Ice Up Picks of the Week, where we tell someone to ice up, toughen up, to get it together. And, Cody, uh, is that uh, I will go first because mine is nothing special. I've got a sm- short two two-part one the first one goes to i am gonna um ice up the Mueller investigation and all of the politics surrounding all of this because first of all is that uh you know i've been quick to ice up donald trump incessantly on, on this podcast and then uh you you really don't see anything come out of this entire uh thing Other than some what seemed like some process crimes when it comes to uh, maybe when it comes to finances, guys breaking other rules that they found out. I just wonder if this just kind of adds to the um, crying wolf uh, can can have uh, a lot of negative impact on you, particularly maybe if this is the Democrats, maybe whoever not Trump that was uh, yelling this. Uh, a little cry wolf syndrome can get you the opposite results. So I'm going to say ice up to that, but really I haven't followed it as much. So I don't have anything good to say other than i just feel like I need to do that. My real ice up pick guys goes to, I've been listening to books on tape recently just cause I got this app from my library and uh, these people with these wonderful, beautiful reading voices, reading these like science fiction books or murder mystery, whatever. But you hear this man that's got this wonderful like news anchor type voice, and then when they switch characters from like the main protagonist male usually perspective to like maybe just like a female character or a child, they try to alter their voice to make it like a. And I don't know how I feel about it. Like I feel like I understand that you need to try to change your voice intonation because you're trying to. Signal that you're changing perspectives in the book, but it sounds so ridiculous at the same time. So manly, beautiful narrators imitating female voices unnecessarily. Ice up,
2: <laughs> <laughs> ice up. Yeah. You have an ice up, pit Josh, or uh you want me to go first? Do you want to jump in?
3: Yeah, I, I actually got one. Um, yeah, go ahead kind of the same, well not kind of the same vein the, uh, the sh- prosecutors in Chicago on the, on the Jesse Smollett case they make this big deal about about it all and it's it's fake and he faked it and he lied and all this and they go forward with like this whole proceedings and then today it's it's just all just dropped it's like what do you mean it's dropped and, and it's the whole thing at least to me just stinks like somebody paid somebody to make something go away because you know young man did something dumb um so that's my ice up pick is, is the chicago prosecutors man you can't you can't you know racism is a terrible thing and it's sad that it's still around in our country uh, and the last thing we need is people faking it for whether it's their own fame or attention or whatever it's it, that it's just part of it. It's part of that whole thing that just doesn't have a place here. So they, you know, they got to ice off. I wish I had names, but I haven't. I haven't found any because I haven't dug too much. Because it's just it's because just we're terrible. tired of
1: U.S.A. Smalley. We're tired of Jesse Smollett and the whole dang <laughs> story. You know, is that and then you're right. It's like smoke and mirrors. Is that like, we're going to make a bit like, uh, and then it all goes away. Uh, glad I'm glad that when it will go away from this show. So ice up Chicago, not known for, uh, not many times have their, their prosecutors and their, and their, their justice department in Chicago gotten a lot of positive accolades. So they're used to the ice ice up Cody. What do you got for us?
2: Yeah. So, you know, people don't like us going political, and I understand we're talking football, but I don't really view this as political. I view this as there's a way to argue in favor of the things that you believe, and especially when you're trying to disprove something, and there's a way that you don't do it. Now, this is just me personally. You can love it or hate it. I am a huge believer that man-made climate change, when you have 7 billion people on the planet, is a real thing. That's something I believe in. But if you're a, an elected official and you're in front of the Senate or whatever, and you're advocating on what to do uh, instead of fighting against climate change or enacting a legislation, it's important that you have a good argument. And this representative had the most stupid, absent-minded argument against climate change that I've ever heard.
0: The courage needed to solve climate change is nothing compared with the courage needed to start a family. The true heroes of this story aren't politicians, and they aren't social media activists. They are moms and dads, and the little boys and girls that they are at this very moment putting down for naps or helping with their homework, building tree houses, and teaching them how to tie their... (laughs) What the heck? The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to climate change is not this unserious resolution that we're considering this week in the Senate, but rather the serious business of human flourishing, the solution to so many of our problems... At all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Thank you, Mr. President. So
2: there you. there you have it, folks. Hey, it doesn't matter that the sea levels are rising, the ice caps are melting. None of that matters, dude. <laughs> None of that matters. The only thing that you need to do is do like my man, Philip Rivers and pop out nine or 10 children, and hey, man, you're solving the problem, dude. You're basically like a planetary wizard when you're popping out your babies. Uh, Listen, man, this is just the dumbest shit in the world to me. If you wanna be against something, at least try and come with some facts and not just some family values, BS, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. So I'm not even gonna say this dude's name. To whoever this asshole is, Ice up son. Well, I'm
1: gonna say his name is me and Mike and Mike Lee and I his name is that's uh Mike Lee from Utah we were on a bender the night before and we uh man we were throwing back shots we have a good time and then he goes oh crap I got a presentation tomorrow in the Senate and I' uh, we we didn't he didn't know what it was about he was like I got this I'm just gonna put aside put this picture of a baby of these babies up and talk about how families in America are fantastic especially when they live in tree houses like that Swiss family Robinson in Disney World that was, that's what we came up that was our plan at 4.30 in the morning yeah. baby picture it's going to win them over dude
2: Jedi Jorah says Cal not climaxing is causing climate change <laughs> <laughs> You know what? It might be too. Jay and go Jedi. Uh, Jedi that was his
1: plan. That was his suggestion, Mike Lee, when we were on the bender. He said, I think I'm going with the babies instead. All right. <laughs> yeah, right. So,
2: babies.
1: That's awesome. That's what, you know what? That's the job we need. The job we, imagine if we didn't, I mean, we bear. I mean, we at least prepared a little bit for our our podcast tonight. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. My man just went into work yeah, and was like, "I ain't got nothing." I'm just talking about these baby stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> ah. babies
2: stuff. babies. All, man.
1: All right, that w- that's the C three Panthers podcast. My name's Tony Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. Cody, where can they get after you uh, before next week? Actually, the plug: Marcel, Luis, Jacques, um, Charlotte Observer beat writer, going to help us with Clemson. So be sure to tune in next week. Cody, how can they follow you until then?
2: At C-O-D-Y-L-A-C on Twitter. When I'm not starting debates with people online, Uh, I'm talking about football. Uh, Tomorrow there is a brand new um, mock draft for drafttech.com. The comments are back. There is a full description for the round one and round two picks for the Carolina Panthers on drafttech.com. Be sure and check that out. Show some love. Tell me what you think about the drafts uh that we're putting out. Uh and that's it, man. Another Tuesday night in the books. Josh, you're on Twitter
1: now, aren't you?
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I got back into my account like two months ago, something like that. You get at me L S C five O H H and uh talk cars, talk football, talk girls, whatever the hell you want to talk. We talk it. Video yeah. game, I don't care. Whatever. If not, is, we'll mute you.
1: All all right man that's fantastic thanks for dropping in the show tonight it was a blast hanging out and guys we'll be back next week we got a lot to talk about i'm sure there'll be plenty of news uh cody uh we're we're excited to get get see some of those big clemson boys coming after the quarterback and uh that's it guys and be sure to keep pounding all right over over over